Grayson Tucker. I'm the student minister here, uh, which means I uh, primarily work with grades 6 through 12. Uh, and last weekend, we took uh, our, what we normally do in the springtime. We went on our spring retreat. Uh, it's a great time. And, you know, all the things that you think of uh, during it for a retreat weekend, we did. You know, we, we had a uh, bonfire. We had fun games. We had small groups. We even had some of our high schoolers teach, teach lessons for us. It was, it was fantastic. Um, I, I truly think that, you know, great memories were made and really like the metric that, that I use internally for whether a RSM event was a success or not, which is, uh, did they grow closer to God and grow closer to each other? I think that was achieved, you know, it was, it was, you know, hands down a successful retreat weekend. However, there was something that was a little different that happened last weekend that doesn't normally, thankfully, doesn't normally happen on retreats. So Saturday night, I'm walking, you know, with some people up to the mess hall for dinner, uh, and I get a phone call. I get a phone call from my wife, who was not on the retreat with us. So she's at home uh, with, with our two boys, uh, and she says, hey, Grayson, I just want you to know uh, I'm on my way to the ER with Emmett. All right. Okay. So my wife is taking one of my kids to the emergency room. Okay. All right. You know, I'm going through the, like, all the scenarios in my head of what might she say next, right? Um, and maybe this is a similar situation. Maybe you've, maybe you've experienced this where you were on a business trip, you were away somewhere, you weren't at home, and an emergency situation happens back home with your family. What do you do? You know, that's, that's what we got to figure out, right? That's what I'm trying to figure out in this moment is, okay, now that I have this knowledge, what am I going to do next? You know, maybe, maybe you've spent a long time preparing some sort of presentation or, or you're gearing up for a big sales pitch that, you know, you've got to figure out, am I going to go through with this or do I need to go home? Do I need to pass this off to a coworker who hasn't done the same kind of preparation but could probably kind of get it done? You've got to figure that out, right? So that's, you know, that's the situation I'm in, you know. So who do you turn to when life throws you a curveball? What do you do? Where do you go? That's the question I was asking myself, and maybe you're like us, our family, you know, we live more than nine hours from the closest, like, relatives. You know, our people are not from Texas, but we live here in Texas. Um, so calling, uh, you know, my parents or, you know, a relative or something is not really an option for a drop of the hat or a spur of the moment emergency, right? So we're trying to figure out what's going on. Now, you may be, you know, if you know my family at all, you may be asking a similar question to that was going through my mind. And uh, my wife knew that I was about to ask this question as well, which is why she answered it before I could even ask it. The question was, well, what about John, right? So I have two kids. They're twins, Emmett and John. And I knew that, you know, if my wife is taking Emmett to the emergency room, then, uh, you know, that's going to be stressful enough she doesn't also need to be wrangling another three-year-old who's not, like, being seen by doctors or whatever in the emergency room. So, so I was like, I know this is going to be too much. This is too overwhelming, right, to, to have both kids. So that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Do I pass my notes 
off to some of the adult volunteers who were fantastic, by the way, but had just not prepared to teach a lesson uh, on, on Saturday nights because, you know, like right after dinner, it was, you know, we were doing our evening session, we were doing worship, we are doing, I was teaching the lesson, doing small groups, you know, that was, the retreat was happening, right? So I knew, okay, maybe I'm going to have to pass off my slideshow and my notes to one of these adult volunteers, right? So I'm kind of trying to figure that out as I'm eating dinner at this retreat. Um, this is what I want to talk about this morning. This is why church matters. Um, you, you may have heard the phrase, uh, it takes a village. You know, when it comes to parenting, this is something that like, this is a universal truth. Like it, it just takes a village to, to raise kids, to, to be in a family. Uh, and that's what we had to rely on in that moment was our community. We had to rely on our village. You see, last Saturday, Margaret Ann and my boys were with Rhonda Cullum. Rhonda's our uh, children's minister here. And, uh, well, Rhonda is part of our village. And, uh, you know, our kids, <laughs> our kids have a different name for Rhonda. It's kind of weird calling her Rhonda and talking about my kids in the same sentence because they call her Rara. And John will correct you if he hears you call her Rhonda. Uh, it's Rara. So, the most natural thing to happen was that Rhonda just kept John. You know, Margaret Ann was like, I've got to take Emmett to the emergency room. Rhonda, she was like, all right, I'll just keep John. All right, it's fine. So Margaret Ann told me that, and I was like, okay, there's one piece of the puzzle, you know, figured out. It was the most normal, natural thing. I, I didn't even have the thought of, oh, no, I hope Rhonda's okay with this. I hope we're not putting her out or something. Because I know that Rhonda, or Rara, is part of our family's village, and that it was not putting her out. It was, she wanted to do it. You know, this is, this is what it looks like to live in village. Um, thankfully, thankfully, the emergency that we thought uh, it was going to be was not. Uh, you may see a picture here of, of, uh, of Emmett. <laughs> he's, if you can look closely, he's grinning big. He's getting a little x-ray done. He has carried that x-ray around our kitchen. Um, very proud of the picture. Uh, it was not the emergency that we had thought. He did end up having strep throat and had some, you know, stomach issues that they were able to resolve uh, quickly. Um, but it, he kind of was having a double whammy, right? Um, and that was, that was the option. It was like, we need to go make sure this isn't something like appendicitis where he's going to need a, an emergency surgery. And that, that, was, that was our situation, right? Um, but as you can see, he was already, even at this point, in good spirits. Praise God for that. Um, it takes a village to raise a family. It's, that's a universal truth. We know that. So when I say that, you know, the, the parents out there are like, yeah, we know. We know. Which is why I want to talk about this from a little bit different angle today. I want to talk about how can you be the village for someone else? It applies to all of us, no matter what our role is, right? You might be a parent. Yeah, sure. You, you might be a friend. You, you might be a, an uncle or an aunt, a grandparent, um, a teenager. You may not have, you know, your own family or whatever. But, it's, but we are all part of a village. And, and that's why I want you to look around this room with the eyes to see who can you be the village for. Uh, we see this idea modeled in the early church. Uh, so if you have the Bible app, you can follow along there. You can 
um, open up the YouVersion Bible app and click more events and find Riverside there. And there's a nice little outline there. Uh, but, but we look at Acts chapter 2 and we see the early church. Acts 2 church is something that we talk about a lot. This is what it says. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 45. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. And we talk about the Acts 2 church a lot. You know, we like to kind of hold this up as like the, the model of, of what we're trying to do here. And there, there's good reason for that. You know, this, this awesome community that was being built around Jesus in Acts chapter 2 comes right after Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes and, 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 and allows the, the apostles to preach and to teach and for all these people to understand them. And 3,000 people were baptized in one day. I mean, it is like the all-time greatest hits of like a sermon or whatever, right? It's all the Holy Spirit's work. But this may be familiar to you, Acts chapter 2, what we just read, this idea of the early church. But it wasn't just like a little flash in the pan, one shot um, example of how this works. You jump ahead two more chapters in Acts and you see this. So Acts chapter 4 says this, all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they, what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. That's Acts chapter 4 verse 32 through 35. You know, and typically when I read these or have read these in the past... You know, it's, it's easy for me to just focus on the material possessions because that's, you know, what it says, right? They're, they sold houses, they shared their stuff, and they gave to those in need, right? Um, so that's a, that's a fair reading of, these, of this passage, right? But I think what this is describing is something a little deeper. It's describing the church at its best. It's describing the church functioning how God wanted it to. And I have witnessed the church at its best here. I have seen it here at Riverside. The church at its best. The church is at its best when the community of believers sees to it that no one lacks anything. The needs that we have can't always be met with money. This is just a, a, another universal truth, right? There are, there are things we need that we can't just swipe the card or write the check and be like, okay, I'm good. I no longer have that need because we're human. We have needs that, that go beyond this kind of stuff. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's someone who understands what you're going through. Maybe it's comfort, uh, a shoulder to cry on, a trusted voice. Maybe it's an accountability partner. The list can go on and on and on of needs that we have that can't be met with money. So when I read these, these passages about the early church and they're talking about no one has a need that's not being met, I know that they have to be talking about more than just material things. Now, becoming a parent has been great. Uh, it hasn't been easy. But Riverside has dramatically decreased the weight that we have felt as parents. 
Um, I mentioned earlier that our, our village isn't here in Texas, right? Like our people aren't here. Our family members are nine hours away in Alabama. That's where Margaret and I both have deep family roots. Like that's, that was our village. And when we left that village to come here and, and realize we were going to be starting a family with twins 700 miles away from our village, we panicked a little bit, as you could probably imagine. But here's the deal. Riverside has become our people. You have become our village. My family has been the direct recipient of um, love and care from this community. That mirrors the Acts 2 church. You guys have given us a place to live, my family, with my two crazy kids, when the whole state froze over. We have received uh, numerous meals. You've invited us into your homes to share a meal. You've dropped meals off at our doorstep when we were sick or too busy uh, to, to make it to your house for a meal. Um, we have been mentored by you guys. You have showed us how to be better parents. You have showed us how to further our careers. We have been mentored by some of you. This is what the church does. It steps up and it steps in with, with full heart sharing whatever that we have. Now, this isn't limited to parenting. I know we're in a series called Family Matters, so you may be thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm not a parent or, you know, I'm, I'm not like my family lives far away or, or whatever. But, but I promise you that the need for community is everywhere. Like you don't have to, you don't have to be raising kids right now to need a village around you. For example, a 2018 Cambridge published study shows that loneliness peaks for people in their 20s, in their 50s, and their 80s. The need for community is everywhere. A place to belong, the village, that's what the ideal church provides. That's what Riverside provides. So I want everyone, not just parents, to look around the room today and, and, and ask the question, how can I be the village for someone else? Have the eyes to see those needs that other people have. I don't know what that looks like, but maybe it looks like inviting a family over for dinner, uh, dropping a meal off during a busy week just to lighten their load. Maybe it means being a small group leader on a spring retreat. I don't, you know, shameless plug there. Uh, maybe that's being a sounding board for a teenager who's struggling with something and feels like, maybe I can't go to my parents just yet. Maybe it means coming alongside of a family who is grieving loss or, or suffering tragedy. The idea of being the village for each other is firmly rooted in Jesus. We see this all throughout scripture. For instance, 1 John chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Anyone who believes that Jesus Jesus is the Christ has become a, a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Loving Christ means being a child of God, but also loving the other children, right? This verse is a great equalizer, right? It doesn't talk about older siblings or younger siblings or there's, you know, it, it just says we're all children. 
We're all children of God. And, then it, and we are called to love one another as equals. Love one another. That's what we do. Now, we don't necessarily just do this, right? We see this Acts 2 church. We, we don't live like that for, for, you know, no reason, right? There's, there's got to be a deeper motivation, right? It's not just because we want to be nice to each other. There is a deeper motivation. Let's look at that. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, well, we'll read that in just a second. The graves read what comes right after what we're about to read. So we're really fleshing out uh, Philippians chapter 2. It's, this is a, a powerful piece of scripture. Well, the beginning of that chapter says this, starting in verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. In uh, my translation of this section, the title of it, you know, sometimes they give you like a, a summary title for that next section you're about to read. This one says, have the attitude of Christ. This is the why. This is why the, the Acts 2 church was sharing everything they had. This is why we are the village for one another. We can't... We can't be like Jesus unless we also imitate his attitude. We must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. We want to be able to point back to the one that we're trying to follow, who is Jesus. And imitating his attitude helps us do that. This passage gives us an, an excellent example of what this should look like. Our, you know, our fellowship together in the spirit should provide encouragement to one another in Christ. It should provide comfort by showing Christ's love to one another. This belonging to one another in Christ should make our hearts tender and compassionate. This is why. We should want to agree. We should want to love one another. We should want to work together. Selflessly, humbly thinking of how you can be meeting one another's needs. This is the village. This is the community. This is belonging to Christ. This is what it's about. The church is at its best when we realize what each of us truly needs is Jesus. So, how can you be Jesus to one another? What does this look like in real time? How do we actually do this? These are Excuse me. This reminds me uh, of a story from a uh, mission trip we took a couple summers ago. We went out to Denver. We worked with the, the Dry Bones organization. Uh, it was a fantastic trip a couple years ago. Uh, Dry Bones is a uh, nonprofit organization that works with the homeless population there in Denver. And our trip consisted of you know, serving food to the homeless, meeting some of Dry Bones' friends in the homeless community, uh, and participating in what they call the Homeless Plunge Challenge. 
Now, this picture that you see from a couple years ago uh, was the end of the homeless plunge that we did. And you see where uh, Leighton is holding a sign there that says, honk for a wave, right? They had us kind of go through what it looks like to, to, to live the life of someone who is on the streets. And from, from the time you wake up till, you know, till we ended up flying this cardboard sign on the side of the road and promptly being ignored by everybody that went past. It was a humbling and difficult experience and one that I'll never forget. But there's one particular um, memory that's been imprinted on my heart. We were, um, we were serving sandwiches in a park for lunch one day. And we, we set up under a, a tree serving food. And we see this father and his son walk up. Now the father was walking with a limp. And the son, about five or six years old, was much faster than him. Um, as I am now learning with my two, who are three. Um, no matter what kind of shape I'm in, my kids are always going to be faster than me, I think. Um, but as I served them food the reality of their situation started to dawn on me. You see, earlier during that homeless plunge, we had toured some of the areas where the homeless people had chosen to sleep or were able to sleep or, or had kind of found a spot where they could sleep. One of them was they had to climb up over this like metal grate underneath a bridge. Uh, it was, I don't know if I could have gotten back up there. And, I, and I'm just sitting there thinking like if, if that's where this dad and his son are having to, I can't, I, like my brain like started to break at this moment. Because I'm seeing this hopeless situation of this father and the son, like the father's doing whatever they can to provide for, their, for his son, and it's just, not, it's just not making the ends meet. It's just not happening. Well, as I served them food, I found out a couple more things about this child, right? He's about five or six years old, like I said, but he was nonverbal. This kid was obviously not having his needs met. He, he couldn't speak. And then the piece of information that I learned next truly broke me. And I don't, I don't know if I'll, I, I'm forever changed by this experience. I found out his name, that kid's name was John. And at this point in 2021, 20, uh, my kids were like a year and a half, two years old. Uh, and I was just in the, in the thick of it, right? Like I know how hard it is to raise these kids. And I'm imagining this dad doing this on the streets of Denver. It's overwhelming. I, I, could not, I could not function anymore. I had to step away from the, the, the food service line because I put myself in that father's shoes and I just, I just broke down. I walked away, regained composure. Some of the other adults in our group kind of took turns doing the same thing that day. It was, it was a difficult day. Um, later in the week, though, I had a conversation with a guy named Robbie. Robbie works at Dry Bones, and uh, he's, he's a fantastic guy, um, and, and he's been there a while, and he knew uh, little John and his dad, and he told me uh, th that this, they had planned to meet there that day, he, uh, Robbie and the, John's dad, they, they had planned to meet there because they were going to go over paperwork, because they were going to move to a new shelter. They were, they were filling out paperwork to get John in with a speech therapist. His needs were being met. And I just didn't see it. Their village was supporting them. Now, their life was hard. 
She probably still is. I don't, I don't know. There were, there were still needs to be met, but the village was there. Dry Bones was being that village for them. They were their community. Things weren't perfect for them, but they weren't alone. When I thought community was absent, God was already at work. When we seek community, God is already working to build it. Church, would you stand? Drybones Denver recently posted a, a quote from a Baylor University study that says this. People don't become homeless when they run out of money, at least not right away. They become homeless when they run out of relationships. These relationships are the village. These relationships are what the church is made of. Earlier I said that the church is at its best when no one lacks for anything, but maybe what is ultimately true is that the church is at its best when we realize we all need Jesus. We realize that we both need Jesus and can be Jesus for one another by being the village for one another, by being the community that serves one another, that sacrifices for one another, and imitates the attitude of Christ for one another. So how can you be the village for someone in this room here today? If you're in need of community, we hope that you find it here at Riverside. In fact, if you, if you have a need and you want, would like to respond today, we have a banner in the back where some of our shepherds will be waiting to receive you.